All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Hundred、uh, Books a Year with Kevin.、Uh, we're gonna start a new book today.、Uh, the name is called "The Complete Financial History of Berkshire Hathaway."、Um, it's it's a eight hundred page book about、um, Berkshire Hathaway's、uh, founding history to every year, the breakdown of his core businesses.、Um, the author is Adam J. Mead. He actually did a lot of work. It is a one-stop shop of like the thinkings behind Warren and later Charlie、um, of building Berkshire Hathaway. And、um, if you listen to the podcast for a little bit, right, we talked about、um, the education of a value investor a couple weeks ago. This is kind of like a follow on to that、uh, because I listened to a podcast.、Um, they're they're they just keep talking about. The investment framework and mental models of Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, right? Kind of like they were being they're being treated in the、uh, value investing world as the、uh, what's the term, the investor bible, if you may, right? So this book was on my radar. Um, it's actually pretty pricey, um, and I just bought it because I need to kind of like study this book page to page, and I'm、uh, I think I'm like three hundred pages in, so I. I got some kind of a confounding ideas, and I want to kind of share with you guys on this podcast.、Um, people always know what are the top companies that's owned by Berkshire Hathaway.、Right? We kind of know a little bit more about Warren's founding story, right? He's growing up. He was talented with numbers, right? There was a great HBO、uh, documentary on there, but I kind of want to talk about is. The founding history of Berkshire Hathaway, the company, right,、um, and kind of like what happened to it before Warren took over, and then kind of how he、uh, formulated this entire、uh, holding company, his empire, from scratch. So I'm I'm probably gonna call this the birth of Berkshire Hathaway or something. Like we're gonna start from the very very beginning, and then we're gonna we're gonna take a few days to kind of explain exactly. What Warren sees in this little textile company, and then a little bit like in the middle of fifties and sixties,、uh, I'm currently reading in the seventies and eighties right now. So, and there's other interesting points that we can add on to the end of the podcast series. So let's just get started.、Um, so, Berkshire Hathaway was、um, taking over by Warren in nineteen sixty five, and then. He actually already started making investment in the, in 1962. So, Berkshire Hathaway, the holding company before Warren takes over, was a tax a textile commodity, and then Warren was running, and then they actually discontinued、um, the textile business back in the 80s. So he actually run the textile firm.、Um, For the twenty years into Berkshire's history、uh, after Warren's takeover, and there's a lot of、um, questions, right, or speculations about why Warren did it, because if you think about it, it's kind of a mistake, right? Um, there's other companies that actually kind of did this. There are rumors、uh, about okay, um, so his father,、uh, Warren's father, passed away、uh, during that year of、uh, of the takeover, nineteen sixty five. Maybe got him emotional. But、uh, Warren himself saying, "Hey, that was a mistake、uh, by me because I feel like、uh, we could have done a whole lot better with a better company."、Um, so I just want to kind of 
replay this entire timeline. And then we're going to start from the very, very beginning today. Okay. So the year is 1789. So there is uh, this guy called Samuel Slater. He bought the very first water power textile mill and then he brought it to the U.S. I guess he, he built it in the U.S. This is actually a technical revolution at the time back in 1789 because of the water power uh, textile mill, uh, right? So before things are being built, uh, things are being wined, you know, by hand, right? Human did, uh, are doing it before the water power textile mill. So he chooses the um, Pacific Northeast to, to uh, do this. In 1809, with backers from other ventures, there are 27 Slater-type water power test mill in New England alone. So from the year of 1979 to, 19, to uh, 1809, they actually have uh, replicated the model and it's actually growing very, very fast in the textile industry. So they were the pioneers, right? and then they were profitable right away. They're making a lot of money because they increased the efficiency. So if you haven't been to uh, the New England um, industry or the um, area, I have not been there yet, but the thing is, is they actually have a lot of um, different uh, uh, water streams, right? There's different rivers. So there's actually a high difference in altitude. So that is a great place for a water power textile mill to get started, right? So another advantage of picking in the Northeast in the New York area is it was closer to NYC, right? So all the financiers can actually invest to it more easily. And then the fashion capital, it was also in New York as well. So there was going to be a lot more demand when they were closer to New York. So that was the two kind of um, advantage to building a series of water power textile mills in the north, right? So fast track into about 1880, New England has about 80% of the active spindles. That's kind of how you calculate the scale of the operation. So eight out of 10 textile is actually coming from the north, from the New England area. So they actually have like a a little monopoly right there, right? Because of the higher efficiency because of water power. So right after 1880, the Northern textile industry start going downhill. And the reason is, is the South are start entering the, the um, industry, right? Uh, we all heard, right? Like, you know, like the, uh, the uh, slavery oppression, right? They're actually picking cottons down in the South. So, after 1880, the sales part of the U.S. start to contribute, and then they actually have the uh, raw material right there, right? So they start to adapt with more efficient technology. They actually have automatic looming machine, and everything is steam power rather than water power, right? So that's even more efficient, and it's even more controllable because with water, you, you have to kind of set up the thing right next to the um, harness, to uh, run as to the waterfall, right? To the harness power with steam, you, you don't have to do that, right? And then in the south, have lower costs of labor, and then you know they're using slaves, obviously, and then lower taxes. So right after eighteen eighty, the northern textile industry cannot really fight the tie from the south, and then they all have to either fight separately or they bind together, right? With mergers and acquisitions, or else they're not going to survive. 
right? So we have an entity called Berkshire Fine Spinning Associate Inc. Let me repeat that: Berkshire Fine Spinning Associates Inc. So this is the first part of Berkshire's husband. That's kind of where it comes from, and with the formation of Berkshire, it's actually a few different uh, textile firms from the New England area, and then they all merge into one holding company, one textile firm. They are King Theodore Mills, which was operating between eighteen seventy one to nineteen thirty before the May uh, the uh, merger. Valley Falls from 1839 to 1929. Uh, Coventry Coal from 1864 to 1929. Greylock Mills, 1880 to 1929. Berkshire Cotton Manufacturer, that, that's actually the biggest one, 1889 to 1888 to 1921. Parker Mills, 1885 to 1930. Okay, so all of these mills that started from the 1880s got merged under becoming uh, the Berkshire Fine Spinning Associates. So this is kind of like the part one of the formulation of Berkshire Hathaway, right? So that's kind of like one of the part. So, so the thing to, to like uh, write home about is in late uh, in late seventeen uh, hundreds, the U.S. started having water power textile mills, and then in about a hundred years, they were the top of the line. They're like you know, are growing super fast. They have like tens, if not twenties, if not like thirties of different textile mills, and then the South started taking over back in uh, eighteen eighty, and then they started to combine everything into one roof, starting around nineteen thirties roughly. So that is kind of like a brief history of the Northern textile history, which kickstarts our series today. Okay, so next time we're gonna uh, talk about is the latter part, it's the Hathaway part, and we're gonna probably go right before Warren's takeover. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening. I wanna break this down as clearly, as interestingly as possible. So um, if you like the podcast, uh, subscribe, share with your friends, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow or next time. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good day.